Welcome in, everyone, to episode 33 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I'm Kenny Cochran, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jake Hewell. Oh, yeah. It's a good It's good to be back. A little fumble there, a little vocal fumble. Excuse me. Hey, it happens. It's good to be back. Uh, a little off week last week, but we're back. Not too much going on in the sports world. Uh, we did a little Braves breakdown last time, talked about some off-season acquisitions. Some little moves that were made, and um, today's episode is going to be a little bit more low-key, a little bit more kicked back, just kind of sit back, talk about what what uh, has transpired over the last couple months, really. I know we got some transfer portal stuff to talk about. Um, obviously, it's Super Bowl rounded up uh, next week. we got the Pro Bowl this weekend. We'll talk about NFL playoffs, conference championship week last week. Um, obviously, a ton of coaching hires just went through, so we'll kind of give our opinions little grading action, if you will, on that. We might even get a little inside information, sports card trading from Mr. Jake Hewell over here because he is a professional sports card trader. We're hot right now, baby. Well, actually, we're not. Um, but hey. It, it, it was a good night. Even the hotter you do. And uh, we're kind of do. We're kind of hot. You know, we pulled a little PSA 9. Um, a little, little, little Kawhi Leonard out of, out of one of our packs. So. We're feeling good. Me and Kenny are about to become the biggest uh, sports car people in the world. I actually watched a 20-minute video. I'm sorry to interrupt your inter- introduction, by the way, Kenny. Um, it, it was well, I'm great. done. But, um, oh, I'm done. Before we really get into things, I, wa- I wanted to say, I watched a little like 20-minute video the other day. It was actually last night. And it was about a guy that has made his whole living um, basically buying flipping sports cars. And uh, it, the, the thing that really intrigued me is at the beginning, they're sitting in a basketball court. It looks like, it looks like a you know, an NBA practice gym. And the first thing this guy says that's interviewing the other guy, he says, hey, man, you know, this must be a dream to have your own basketball court. And it made me realize, oh, this is this guy's house. Oh. And then this man had, like, 60 to 186 Fleer Michael Jordan rookie cards. And um, if you're anything in the sports card world, you will understand that that is a very, 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 very sought-after expensive card. Um... Quite a few, quite a quite a big collection of Jackie Robinson rookie cards graded. Um, this guy was loaded already, and he probably had millions worth of assets in his house. So it it, it was pretty cool to see that. And uh, yeah, we're we're about to become that. This you know this podcast is going to get pretty big. You see Stetson Bennett and, and Ronald right here. You know, maybe a month from now we might have Babe Ruth and you know, I don't know Tom Brady up on the wall. It'll be big time. Shout out that guy. Never called his name. So, hey, shout out him. Never never called his name, <laughs> but he is. But he's a legend. Uh, people just refer to him as him, is, is what I heard. <laughs> we, call, we just call him Sir. He is him. <laughs> I figured I'd give y'all a little story, a little breakdown. Um, That did not inspire me to start buying sports cards. I've been doing it pretty much my whole life. It's just... You know, as you get older, you get a little bit more access to a little bit more funds. And uh, you get access to a little bit more funds. Sometimes it's, it's nice to touch back to that childhood, you know, childhood feeling you used to have. And that's kind of the theme I'm kind of rolling in right now pretty heavy. So it's been fun. It's been, I've been enjoying it. Everybody wants to say mo' money, mo' problems. We like to say mo' money, mo' football cards. <laughs> exactly. Next podcast, before we go live, I'm going to show up my new ones. It's going to be awesome. There you go. We got way on to come in the mail. Got some bangers, some heaters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We got some heat. I'm also gonna wear my uh, new clothing edition that I already told you about. Next, next podcast. Next podcast. We're gonna throw it on. That is for sure heat. I've seen the pictures. 
yeah and then next time we're also gonna get, get this uh frame thing fixed we're ha it's happening again we're not gonna pause it um sorry you guys can't see our face audio should still be just fine though on youtube side of things um y'all can see us we're probably just frozen in some stupid look so we'll get it fixed next go around promise Last time I tried hey, to fix it, we recorded for 20 minutes, and then I tried to end the stream, and it ended my recording, too, and I'm not about to do that. So, podcast people, y'all are hearing everything right now. Here are all the problems. You said it's going to be a kickback episode. That's exactly what it's going to be. It is. And it really is a kickback episode. I mean, we've had so much to talk about between Georgia football and, excuse me, I'm munching on these delicious ranch sunflower seeds that my grandmother gave me for Christmas in my stocking that I lost in the bottom of my pantry. Thankfully... My beautiful wife decided to save them in a grocery bag, and now I'm just going to town on these suckers right now. But we've had so much to talk about, Jake, between Georgia football, <clears throat> rounding out the NFL season with the Falcons. We had a lot of Braves stuff going on. Last episode was really the first Braves, the big Braves episode that we've had in forever, and it's because everything else is kind of ramping down. Well, I mean, breaking news. Not that much going on in the baseball world right now. We're like, what, a month out from spring training or whatever? So, right now, we're really just kind of in that gray area between NFL postseason and Super Bowl. We just had, obviously, the conference championship week. Um, I think the last episode we had just talked about wildcard weekend, I believe, if I'm correct. I can't mm -hmm. remember exactly. But yeah, so a couple things to talk about in the NFL, but... For the most part, dude, this is kind of a just, you know, different style episode, more low-key, not too much of an agenda to follow. Just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and talk some football. And honestly, this is really, I feel like, one of the best episodes come about. Yeah, yeah, th this is this is where the fun really happens. And I, I do have a little bit of praise I'm going to talk about. Kenny, nothing I expect any reaction from. Just, you know, just touching basis on things we have kind of figured out. Um, First thing I want to mention is Ronald Cooney has been playing in the Venezuelan Baseball League. He is no longer playing right now. He had officially retired from the Venezuelan Baseball League uh, from his Instagram. That's what he said. Um, and he was hitting taters. And he had probably one of the greatest home run celebrations you will ever see in any baseball league. So if you have not quite seen that video yet, guys, go to Twitter, go to YouTube, go find it. It is amazing. And um, I know there's a lot of old heads out there, no offense, old heads, that do not like that in baseball. But I saw Marcus Stroman actually put something out on Twitter commenting on it. I think he kind of said it best. Um, and I, I don't I don't have the tweet in front of me. I don't know quote by quote. But he basically said, you know, you do something big time in a game, you deserve to show it off. And that's really what baseball needs right now. And um, to see a pitcher say something like that, we all know Marcus Stroman's a guy that's not really scared to say what he thinks. But it, it was really cool to see him kind of reach out because Ronald was kind of getting a little bit of hate on social media but, but to be fair i think the love he was getting from that was much outweighing the hate he was getting from that well in my opinion anytime you are mashing more taters than a crackle barrel chef oh. you should be able to celebrate that as much as you want but when you're ronald i mean this guy he's not playing in game seven of the world series he's not out there on the biggest stage where he's playing in venezuela you know lots of dudes celebrate he just hit a 795 foot bomb that landed in the middle of the pacific ocean just let him enjoy it. Let him have his moment. Exactly. I, I agree 100%. Um, and just just like second second news things I'm, I'm going to throw out here. Um, the Braves did invite 26 non-roster invitees to spring training. Um, it is kind of intriguing. This kind of stuff is interesting because these are guys you'll see. Spring training is kind of a weird moment, though, because see guys play. A lot of things don't really matter too much. I'll go ahead and go through the names right here. It was 11 pitchers, right-handed pitcher um, Blake Burkholter, um, right-handed pitcher Jeff, Jesse Chavez, obviously a notable name right there we love to see. 
Left-handed pitcher Dylan Dodd, who I believe ranks somewhere. I have I have uh Dylan Dodd does not rank in our top 30 in prospects. Um left-handed pitcher Brian Moran, right-handed pitcher Roel Ramirez, right-handed pitcher Alan Rangel, or Rangel, let me pronounce that right. Right-handed pitcher Yaxel Rios, left-handed pitcher Jared Schuster, um, obviously our number one prospect in the organization, so that's pretty notable. Right-handed pitcher Victor Vodnik, who I believe is number seven in the organization, which is, is also pretty notable. Right-handed pitcher Brooks Wilson, and left-handed pitcher Danny Young. Um, we have four catchers coming. Drake Baldwin, who I believe was a draftee in uh, this most recent draft. He's a 21-year-old catcher. He's our 17th-ranked prospect. Big-time power bat coming out of Ohio College, so... Pretty excited to see him get some action. Ryan Castile, Joe Hudson, and Tyler Tolby. Um, infielders, we had six of those. Ari Adrianza, uh, former Brave legend, uh, you know, fan favorite type guy. Um, Cal Conley, another top-tier prospect in the Braves organization, number nine by uh, MLB Pipeline. Joe Dunnand, um, Danny Hetcheverria. And this is some news right here. I will say that slipped a lot of sources. And I did not see it till like, it, I, I never really even saw any like thing official saying that we signed him. I just saw on social media people were saying we signed him. This dude will bat flip on singles. Uh, we love Denny Hitchfury. He was a part of that like Billy Hamilton team that kind of had a bunch of like uh, scrappy guys that were really, really fun to watch. So, you know, just seeing him get a chance at spring training is going to be fun. I don't know if he's going to be on the major league roster, if he's still going to be a brave by the time the regular season starts. But, you know, hey, we'll take as much hedge as we can, man. Big time yeah. fan favorite around here. Noted Mets hater. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Welcome back to the squad. Love that interview of him on the sidelines or on the, the right outside the dugout. Talking about how uh, he wanted to thank the Braves organization for saving saving him from the New York Mets. Yes, yes. Um, we save a, a, a lot of things, you know, especially the NL East title from the New York Mets. So, you know, that's just kind of what Braves do. If you're Yomer Sanchez and uh, Luke Waddell. I don't, Luke Waddell, he might be somewhere in here. Luke Waddell does not. Tyler Tolby actually is also a top 25 prospect. I don't see Luke Waddell anywhere. Thought he might be in there. Um, outfielders, Justin Dean, Cody Milligan, Kevin Pillar, another notable name that we discussed a little bit on last podcast, I believe. Magnier Sierra, former Major League guy, and Forrest Wall. So, you know, we have a load of guys coming to spring training. This stuff really does not mean a damn thing. Um, Schuster is going to be there. Um, guys like, you know, Cal Conley and Drake Baldwin, guys that we mentioned that are you know, pretty high-end prospects, in our opinion, at least, you know, with the Braves' pedigree of prospects, we don't really have the most talent in the minor league. So, we have some of these guys, but none of these guys are probably going to be in the major league roster. You might get lucky and get one or two of them, like a Pilar or, a, you know, Hechevaria or Adrianza or Jesse Chavez. But a lot of these names you see on here are not really going to crack that roster. This is more just an idea of what we got with them. Some of these guys will probably be cut, you know, before spring training ends, just not even be in the minor league. So, just, you know, just something to keep your mind on. You'll be able to watch these guys on spring training. You don't get too many televised games, but whenever you do get that one televised game at 12.10, you know, p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon when you're at work, um, and you're probably going to miss it, just know you, you're missing, in, you know, a Danny Hechevaria facing Matt Whistler in a, you know, seventh inning spring training game down in Florida. So don't be missing too much. Well said. But yeah, that's all. That's really it for Braves, guys. Uh, I did go to FanFest. If, if there's any of you Braves fans out there at FanFest, hopefully I saw you. Hopefully you had a great time. The yard sale was fire. Got my, got my, all my yard sale stuff right here. It was it was very dope to be there. Um, blooper is amazing. I'm going to say that now. Blooper is probably the funniest thing to me in the world. And I'm going to give a shout out to my girlfriend right here. Madison 
loves Blooper more than like anything for some reason. Like she will just point at Blooper and just laugh the whole time. I'm like, yeah, he is doing something kind of funny. I don't know if it's that funny though. <laughs> like he just kind of standing around. <laughs> but Kenny knows Madison, so he knows it's funny. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's true. It is. It is. It is true. Um, but yeah, we had a great time. So if anybody was out there, uh, hopefully you got to enjoy it. all the guys were there. I got to shake Tyler Matzik's hand. I went up to him, shook his hand personally, said, thank you, sir, for your service, from what he did, you know, in the, in that postseason run. We love Tyler, postseason hero. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. So hopefully you made it. Hopefully you had a good time. Luke Waddell is the Braves' 20th ranked prospect. I'm, I'm wrong. He is in the top 25, so. 20th ranked prospect, number one in our hearts. Number one in our hearts. Thank you, Luke Waddell. Thank you, Waddy. Waddy. God. Can well, you want to, I'm going to pass the torch. What do you want to hop into first? You want to talk some transfer portal? You want to talk some NFL coaching hires? You want to talk playoff football? Where are we headed, Jake? Transfer portal, coaching hires, playoff football, Super Bowl. Oh, let's get it. Um, well, obviously, if you're a fan of college football, you kind of know what's been coming the past couple of years with the transfer portal. We now have college football free agency. Um, it's pretty much what we have right here. Um, obviously, you get the big splash hires, like the Deion Sanders going to Colorado. That changes a lot of things. It brings a lot of juice, brings a lot of energy. And obviously, he's going to flip guys like his son, Shadur Sanders, who is a, I want to say, four-star quarterback recruit offered by everybody, including Georgia and Bama. Um, and the number one recruit in the country, Travis Hunter, who's a 99 grade on uh, 24-7 right now as a transfer, bringing him from Jackson State to Colorado. So you have the big obvious ones, too, like those guys. And um, But look, we, we kind of wanted to take a dive and look at what we <laughs> thought were some, some pretty notable transfers, some pretty notable uh, destinations for these guys, and not necessarily give a grade on them, but just kind of give our general opinion. So um, what I've got right here is the, the uh, 247 sports rankings right in front of me. Uh, I was going to kind of rip through these, Jake. I don't know if you want to do something similar. Um, something pops out at you, you holler at it. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead and rip through them. I'll, I'll, I'll inter- interrupt when I have to. Well, um, I guess we, we already mentioned Travis Hunter. He is by far the number one recruit or the number one graded transfer in the transfer portal, number one recruit in the country, one of the highest recruited players of all time coming out of high school. Um, but I say we hop on down to – Number five, we have Sam Hartman. Mr. Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback, guy who has been absolutely torching ACC teams for years and years, is transferring to Notre Dame. This is a pretty unique one for me um, for Notre Dame because you talk about Notre Dame and the esteemed program that it is, and you know I know they're severely overhyped. We talk about this every year. They come in, give them a playoff spot, and they get stomped by Bama by 35. But – one thing that I feel like Notre Dame's been missing for a little bit is a gunslinger quarterback. I know they had the Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, or not Brock Purdy, uh, what's his name? Ian Book. Mm-hmm. When Ian Book was down there. Um, but since Ian Book, it just kind of feels like it's been kind of a carousel effect down there at Notre Dame. And if they can hold on to some of those players that they've had, I mean, they really started to pick up some steam towards the end of the year. Um, and now you're getting a stud quarterback in Sam Hartman. Um we know Sam Harmon, he's kind of a dog. He's a guy that'll get down and dirty and do what it takes to win a game. But for the most part, dude likes to stand back there and let that thing ride. So, curious to see how they handle that. Um, I'm going to interrupt on that one if you're, if you're done with that. Go ahead. Um, yeah, Notre Dame is a very, very interesting uh, destination because this is a team at the beginning of the season. It, it looked pretty bad. 
And as the season went on, they like you said, they did pick up a lot of heat. They had a big win against Clemson. Um, and a lot of that was due to Drew Pine taking over that quarterback spot. Drew Pine, you know, was was very, very successful at Notre Dame this past year. And he looked really, really good. You know, a guy that you thought the Notre Dame program would look to build around. And, you know, as soon as this portal opens up, I don't know if we've talked about this or not. I can't remember. But Drew Pine, you know, decides to enter the portal and take his talents down to Arizona State. Um, that leaves Notre Dame without a quarterback. And just so happens that the top quarterback rated in this transfer portal by 24-7 Sports decides to take his talents to Notre Dame. And you are completely right about this, Kenny. This is, you know, we, we may say they're overrated, which I, I, I do believe that. But this is a very, very, like, high-level program. This is, you know, a consensus, you know, top 10 popularity program that you'll be able to get your, you know, people will be watching you. You know, I, I don't know how everybody feels, but Notre Dame, is to me, is, like, one of those teams that's near, like, the Clemson tier of, like, okay, they're playing a game this weekend against a good team. I'm probably going to tune into it, right? So. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I am excited to see what Hartman could do. Hartman is an absolute gunslinger. A guy that was a little bit down last year. And, you know, going into last season, we're looking at him as being like, a, you know, a, a top five quarterback prospect going to this NFL draft. Well, he's going back to college for one more year, going to Notre Dame, you know, has had some good talent around him. And let's see what he can build off of, man. This guy has a ton of talent. Yeah, he had the weird uh, non-football injury thing mm -hmm. or sickness thing, whatever that was. Obviously, he's healthy now, was able to play the remainder of the season. Um, <clears throat> and you mentioned him. You know, top-ranked quarterback, uh, according to 247 Sports and the transfer portal, well, tied with him there is Devin Leary, who is also another guy that had all the hype in the world heading into last season, you know, including you and I. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> excuse me. It happens. Devin, Devin Leary's a dog, dude. This is a Heisman candidate. This is a guy that came in last season with all the hype in the world around him. Dual-threat guy, guy that's got a rocket launcher arm. Pretty big dude down there at NC State. And um, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking right here. You're good. Yeah, so they have him a 94, which is dead tied with Sam Hartman. My computer is freaking out. Hey, it happens. I, I'll kind of, I'll kind of capitalize yeah, on that too. Why don't you hop in here for a second? I'll go ahead and hop in. Uh, yeah, Devin Leary. Um, Devin Leary's a guy. This is a guy that had a lot of like Heisman hopefuls going into last season. Obviously, at NC State um, did have some injury problems last year that you know shut him down for the rest of the season. NC State was obviously not the same team they were the year before. Um, and now he's looking to take his talents to the University of Kentucky. And this is a very interesting one. This, this is one that we kind of could spotlight really, really early, early on in this transfer portal type deal because. This is like the number one destination everybody was saying he was going to go. I heard there was rumors all over the place saying that he was really, really close friends with Will Levis, who, you know, obviously was Kentucky's quarterback last year, the past three seasons, I want to say. Um, and it, this is this is a system to me that is very interesting because um, Bob Stoops, there's something about Kentucky, and I don't know what the issue is, but we're going into an NFL draft where your quarterback is a guy that teams are looking at as potentially being the number one overall, you know, prospect in this draft i've heard rumors that there's multiple teams that think that i'm not saying that's my thought i think that there's quarterbacks ahead of them but you know and this team still was not dominant on, on the offensive side of the football and you could say maybe will levis is more of a developmental guy for most teams in the nfl or what it is but man I, i'd have to put that a little bit on coaching right here because you would think you'd figure something out you know we've seen guys like rondell robinson come through and you know a ton of guys like chris rodriguez guys that could just completely ball out and uh 
we just haven't quite seen that offensive production come from a Kentucky team. And I don't really know if, you know, a guy like Devin Leary is going to be able to fix that. Devin Leary is an absolute stud. He can make all the plays on the field that you have to make. But, man, that Kentucky team just has to get something on offense. And uh, if they can't find an offense with Devin Leary, I know Chris Rodriguez is not coming back for another year. I want to say the smoke. Uh, what was that? What was what was the other guy's name? Um, Vassier Smoke. I think he actually, actually entered the portal as well. So this is going to be a very, very interesting time period for Kentucky. Um, they do have talent around him, which is which is an interesting thing. That defense is still pretty real. They have the ability to stay in a lot of ball games, which is really really nice. And you know, maybe maybe um maybe Mister Devin Leary is the guy that can take him to the next next step. But I just I just don't really know. Um, Kenny had to step away for a couple seconds, so I'm gonna try to keep on talking about Devin Leary. I don't want to go too far without him being here. I think he was having a little bit of coughing issues. He had a little a little something in the chest, but hey, you know things happen. Um, I'm gonna kind of step back a little bit. Actually, Kenny's back now, so we are we are back rolling. Um, he he had he had to get out of here for a minute. Kenny, I don't know if you heard what I was talking about. I was just saying that you know this Kentucky team is is a team that you know has kind of found a little bit of struggles on the offensive side of the ball in the past couple of seasons, but they have the ability to you know maintain a lot of games. They keep a lot of games close. This is a you know an eight nine win team nearly every season with uh, Will Levis and. I'm not saying Devin Leary is a better quarterback than Will Levis, but maybe he's the guy that can kind of get them over that hump. Who knows? Well, it's something that we'll have to find out. No, you're absolutely right, and I agree with you. I'm super high on Devin Leary, and I don't know what happened there. My computer started freaking out, and uh, my Google Chrome started crashing mid-choke while I was also choking on a sunflower seed and thought I was about to die. Um, so there was a lot going on at one time. Yeah, it's, it's not like a lot. I almost died. <laughs> I'm back. We're good. Um, but no, dude, Devin Leary is an absolute dog. This is the guy where I was getting at. I'm sure Jake probably hit on this. This is a, a Heisman candidate to start the year. Finished off a 2021 season with NC State with 3,400 yards through the air, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, you know, and, and not to mention you had two rushing touchdowns on the uh, on the ground as well with a 157 passer rating, like. Dude's an absolute animal, man. And then you bring him into an offense like Kentucky, and obviously you go to the next caliber up in, in the SEC play when you're playing with Kentucky, but you also get better teammates. Yes. And I want to say, you know, we've been highly judgmental or uh, questionable on Will Levis throughout this NFL draft process and, you know, rankings throughout last year. And I'm not one that's going to sit here and say that Will Levis is the next big thing. But what I will give Will Levis a little bit of slack on is that Kentucky team was not very good this year compared to what they were the year before. No. The talent was way down. Um, so you bring in a guy like Devin Leary, who, and Will Levis obviously is, is a freak of nature. He's huge. He's got the arm. He's, he, he, he can move, you know, everything. But you bring in Devin Leary, and what I think it's probably going to be a little bit better Kentucky team. Kentucky was a very young team. They're going to give some guys – or give guys – a chance and some chances to improve throughout practice and throughout the offseason headed into next year. And then also you bring in the recruits and the transfers and everything. I expect a big breakout year for Devin Leary. And breakout, I know you, you take that with a grain of salt because his breakout year seemed like it was 2021. But it, it's just different in the SEC. I know that's cliche. It's something that we we talk about all the time. But it's just the truth, man. Look at the college football playoff. Look at the end of the year rankings. Look at the bowl records. Like the SEC is just completely different. It's a different style of play here. It's physical, and um, you bring in a guy like Devin Leary, who you know is definitely a physical guy, and he's got the athletic ability to make the plays. I'm just curious to see how he holds up in the SEC, but if I had to guess, man, I think this dude's going to be solid. 
Yeah, he's going to come into the SEC, you know, probably top five quarterback in the SEC day one, I would think. Um, I agree. Top tier, top tier guy, guy that you definitely circle on your schedule. Um, a guy that changes the team to me. And Will Levis is an absolute stud. Don't get me wrong. Um, can you still there? All right, I think I think uh, there. I think he's moving now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I lost you for a second. Yeah, yeah. I think I think our connection not for a second. We're good. Um, I was just saying, Devin Leary. You know, he's 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 a guy that can get you there. And Will Levis, I, I'm not saying anything against Will Levis, but Will Levis always kind of had like a, a knack for a little bit of like a turnover turnover issue to me. And you know, I, I think that's kind of his killer in at the college level. If Devin Leary can kind of clear that up, um, you know, he 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 might be a more successful quarterback at Kentucky than you know Will Levis was. And not to mention, you know, Will Levis is still a really really young guy. Will Levis, I believe, is 22 years old going to the NFL draft right now. I think Devin Leary is older than that. I would assume. I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I might actually pull it up right now. Give me one. Devin Leary is 23 years old. So, yeah, Devin Leary is a little bit more experienced, a little bit more aged, um, dealt with a different program, so he's been around a little bit more. I think this is a guy that could really come to the SEC and make a little bit of noise. I agree 100%. Um, that brings us to number seven. Ah, this is where we get excited, guys. This is where we get very, very excited. Everybody's excited about this one, including Jake and I. We got Dominic Lovett at number seven, the Missouri wide receiver, transferring to the University of Georgia, the back-to-back, the reigning, undefeated, undisputed national champions. Um, dude, Dominic Lovett, absolute stud. Uh, absolute stud. I, I, he's, he's, he's a freak of nature. And I think since he played at Missouri, people have not given the recognition he deserves. Not at all. This dude led the team in receptions, led the team in yards last year. Um, went 56 catches for 846, average of 15, a long of 79 and three touchdowns. What this dude can bring to your team in terms of big play capability is ridiculous. And if you're watching the Georgia Bulldogs every single year, like we all do, aside from the big splash plays to the Brock Bowers, to the A.D. Mitchell, to the, lad, to the lad McConkey every once in a while, this is an offense that cuts its teeth on running the football, running the play action, throwing the ball, getting, you know, a 10-yard gain, a 15-yard gain, 10-yard gain, 5-yard gain, 8-yard gain, you know, back, 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 and then take a shot. You go back, 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 take a shot. Mm-hmm. It's all game long. It's every single game. Dominic Lovett, obviously, with the transfer portal conversation, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but you talk about the offense and the way that the offense is changing. We are losing – some guys as well. It's going to happen. It happens when you're a top program. You got, you know, competition down there on the depth chart. So some of that deep threat ability from some of the guys on the depth chart that we're losing, we replaced with Dominic Lovett. This is, according to uh, 247, the number one wide receiver in the transfer board class. Um, By a pretty wide margin, I must add, as well. So Dominic Lovett, absolute dog. Can't wait to see him actually be a dog. Yeah, very excited about this. Um, Georgia fans, if you remember this year, nail-biter against Missouri. Got one out there and put up 84 yards on us. Um, not something you see, you know, a lot of wide receivers do against this University of Georgia defense. He is a very, very intriguing guy on your team. And I, I like your foreshadowing a little bit because there are guys that are going to be leaving. There are guys that we have to have to be replaced. And this is a guy that can come in day one and make an impact on a football team. Um, he's going to fit very well in this system. Todd Munkin, I'm assuming he's going to be back. I know there's a little bit of whirlwind going around. But he said all he wants to do is win. And guess what, guys? Tom Brady just retired. And the only job I've heard about him interviewing for is that Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. 
And I don't know if he's going to walk into a team that's negative 60 in cat space with Kyle Trask as the only quarterback on the roster. So I think that we are pretty safe at the moment. And just imagining what he's going to be able to drop next year with a true gunslinger back there at quarterback. I'm not quite sure who it's going to be, but I know um, among the guys that we have and the guys that's rumored to be, um, it's going to be a gunslinger. It's going to be a guy that likes to throw the pill around. So, you know, it, as many weapons as we can get is kind of the motto. Um, this Georgia team is not really a team that has made too many big splashes in the transfer portal since this thing's kind of opened up. I think the biggest ones I can think of, I guess Arik Gilbert was a big guy. Darion Kendrick from Clemson, the years he was here, was, you know, fantastic. And Tyke Smith, that's the three biggest names I can think of that we really got. But, you know, this year is, is a little bit different for the dog. We've had a couple big ones come through. And uh, Dominic Lovett's just a start, man. I guess, do you want to take a pause right here and talk about who we lost? Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about who we lost. All right. Um, a few guys, some big contributors, some guys that we love, some fan favorites. Um, the big one here is A.D. Mitchell. Um, we heard the rumors for weeks, weren't really sure if anything was going to come of it. And then all of a sudden, A.D. Mitchell enters the transfer portal. He is a Texas Longhorn. Um, this sucks. No way around it. Sucks to lose A.D. Mitchell. This dude's probably the best wide receiver in the SEC headed into this year. Most would think, um, you know, he's up there at least. Uh, top two, top three guy. Um, you talk about what this guy's been able to do in the big games. I mean, both national championships for us with the touchdown catch. He's like, what, four playoff games, four touchdowns? Yep. Yeah, just crazy. I mean, he he produces under pressure. He's an amazing route runner. Six foot four. He's physical. He's, uh, he's like George Pickens, but George Pickens didn't get to win a national championship. Or he did, but he didn't get to contribute as much. So, you know, they're a pretty similar player, um, similar blueprint. It sucks to lose a guy like that, man. There's really no way to sugarcoat it. Um, but it's a transfer portal when you got, you know, the state of Texas throwing out NIL money like they do. Um, you're going to lose a couple, and uh, A.D. Mitchell's just one of them. Yeah. Look, guys, no hate on A.D. Mitchell. Um, damn yeah. good dog. A lot of, lot of good work here. Um, he will be missed by fans, but um, I, I'm going to say this. I don't think he's going to be missed very much on the football field. I do think that we're going to be just fine without him. Let's not, you know, just think the season's over because we're losing, uh, you know, probably the third most talented wide receiver we've seen at the University of Georgia in our lifetime. So, um, and I will say that with confidence. I think A.J. Green, George Pickens, and A.D. Mitchell are the top three most talented wide receivers we've seen come from the University of Georgia. Um, but, yeah, man, best of luck going to Texas. Um Obviously, I, I know there's some family issues there down there, and that that's kind of the issue that he said was the main reason he was going out there. He's already enrolled there, so it's it's, it's definitely a sure deal. Also, um, you know, Quinn Ewers out there. We know he wants to sling the pill. Texas is, is is a big market team. A lot of people like to pay attention to it. Really, really good spot for him. You know, draft status wise, at University of Georgia, man. We're so deep at the wide receiver position every year. I mean, this guy, he can come back and play. You know, 15 games at University of Georgia in the next season, um, and he will probably still put up less numbers than Lad McConkey. That's just how the system works. Um, yeah, it, it is It is very interesting. And uh, best of luck to A.D. Mitchell on Texas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another big one. Um, Don Blaylock. Don Blaylock is uh, similar to A.D. Mitchell in the fact that when you need a big play, Dom's the guy. You know, it's third and 12. You got to get a first down. Dom's there. Hands of steel comes down with it. I don't have anything bad to say about Dominic Blaylock. Nothing at all. I love this guy. I appreciate everything he's done to contribute to this team. He is an amazing talent. He struggled with injuries. He's had a hard time staying on the field. But when he's been on the field, he's been elite. 
And unfortunately, just like Jake mentioned, with how deep the wide receiver room is, Don Blaylock didn't get as much PT as he would somewhere else. And, um, you know, I hope you get it, man, wherever you go. I'm not sure if it's been announced. Um, it's not. He has not announced his yeah. where he's going yet. Yeah. Wherever you go, man, I hope you're a number one receiver. I hope you get some draft looks. I hope you get a high draft pick because you deserve it. This dude's an absolute animal. He works hard. He plays hard. And um, he's clutch. Yeah, talk about a guy you want to root for. Guy's, you know, suffered multiple pretty significant injuries in his uh, college football career so far, and it's, it hasn't really been a very long one. Um, best of luck wherever he goes, man. And who knows? Maybe, maybe nothing intrigues him, and he might, you know, just walk right back to the University of Georgia. So that's what we can all hope to happen. Um, but we will also see. And while we're on this conversation of guys that have not announced where they're going, I'm going to talk about the biggest recruit or the biggest graded, the highest graded transfer that is leaving the University of Georgia. And this is a guy that was very, very highly graded in last year's uh, recruiting class. And his name is Jaheim Singletary. Um, this is a guy that a lot of people are expecting to kind of go down there to one of the Florida teams. I'm circling Florida State just because I feel like Florida State kind of owns the state of Florida right now. Florida State is on fire right now with transfer portal and recruiting. Miami is also pretty intriguing. They did steal a pretty big wide receiver from Alabama. I am thinking this guy is going to take his talents down somewhere in Florida. Obviously not the Florida Gators because they cannot do anything right. <laughs> But yeah, Jaheim Singletary is going to be a pretty big loss. I'm assuming that he has to know something because, you know, Georgia is a place that cornerbacks can come to play and get drafted, you know, relatively highly off success. Like, we're kind of a system that, you know, goes like one door open, um, one door closes, another door opens. We see a guy leave, and then the guy that was behind him takes up that number one cornerback spot, and then another guy comes up. We saw it with Darion Kendrick and Keely Ringo. Darion was the number one guy. He leads to the draft. Keely Ringo becomes the number one guy. And then Kamari Laster becomes that number two. Next year, I'm assuming Kamari Laster would become that number one, and then that spot opens up. But wait, Kenny, um, there's also another big transfer that Georgia got. Um, would you like to walk me into this conversation? You're on a roll right now, Jake. Go ahead and rip Smoke into Bowie. it. Smoke Bowie from Texas A&M is bringing his talents down to Georgia. Um, big, big, big time guy. This is one that me and Key were both very, very excited to get. Um, you know, absolute lockdown type guy. Um, we talk about a secondary that is losing guys like Keely Ringo, um, losing guys like Chris Smith, losing guys like, uh, I think is I don't know about Tyke. I don't know if Tyke has another year left. We are losing significant talent in the secondary. Um, obviously, talk about Malachi Starks, Kamari Laster. These guys are going to come back playing big roles. But, uh, yeah, there are spots that can be filled. And I am assuming that Smoke Bowie is going to fit right in. Javon Bullard, he's another guy that's going to be back. He's going to be, this secondary is going to be fantastic next year, guys. I am excited to watch it. I really think, the strides Kamari last year took last year really, really, you know, put him into that, um, you know, number one corner type role. Late in the season, you could say he outperformed Keely Ringo. And uh, Smoke Booby is just going to be another another, another addition to this spot, man. Highly rated guy. Smoke Booby is incredible. I've seen this guy play in high school. He's a home, home state guy, Bainbridge boy. Let's go. Um, obviously, A&M guy. Uh, started as a freshman. He's going to come in and make an immediate impact on this team. He is elite. He's an NFL corner. This dude is absolutely ridiculous. So um, I'm very, very excited about this guy. Yeah, he's he's going to be awesome. Um, I have one more Georgia guy I'm going to talk about right here. And this, this is a little bit of a questionable one. You can talk about whatever you want to after this, Kenny. I was just mention this one. Um, and that guy's Rob Rob Thomas, another guy that we were so, so excited to see come to the University of Georgia. You know, a big play guy at Mississippi State last year. That air raid offense really got to see him succeed. But as soon as he transfers or announces he's transferring to Georgia, um, he gets into a little bit of legal trouble. I'm not going to dive too much into it because I don't want to talk on stuff that I don't know much about, especially when it comes to stuff like this. Um, 
but yeah, just keep your ears open on this his situation. Uh, hopefully we're not too harsh. Hopefully they can find some stuff out, and hopefully the stuff that happened, it just kind of goes back and find out he's, he's it was just some rumors or something. For all I know, I like I said, I don't know the situation, so I'm not gonna speak too much on it. But just keep your ears open on him. He does have a little bit of some legal issues going on right now. Yeah. We don't know too much about what's going on, but hopefully we'll get some clarity pretty soon. Um, aside from the Georgia guys, I don't want to spend an hour talking about all these things. Um, so, you know, we'll run through here. I'll just mention a couple guys. I mean, we can talk about Jaheim Bell, who's the number one tight end in the class, going to Miami from South Carolina. Florida State. Uh, uh, yeah, excuse me, Florida State. Um, I'm looking at uh, Javion Cohen. Yeah, Javion Cohen's a big guy for Miami. That's, 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 that's a really big ad for Miami. Um, you got Hudson Card going from Texas to Purdue. No shocker there. We knew that guy was going to leave. He's a good player. Yep, really um, good player. Who else we got here? We got, uh, obviously, you talked about Gene Singletary, Rara Thomas. Um, who we got? Who we got? Who we got? Uh, Shadur Sanders. I mentioned him at the beginning. This is a 35th ranked uh, guy in the 247. But, um, man, I... I don't want to hop on the Colorado hype train too much, but I'm a big believer in Shadur Sanders. Um, I'm somebody who is not too, how do you say, uh, I don't weigh classification incredibly heavy on quarterback play. When I'm talking about how talented a guy is, uh, it's something that I've been kind of, I don't know, it's been kind of consistent for me, man. In my opinion, you know, you, you could talk about things. Obviously, we talk about Devin Leary, who's leaving NC State to come to Kentucky. Um, things are going to change there. You're playing, you know, bigger, faster physical players, uh, but you also have bigger, faster physical teammates. Like, you know, things kind of the, the flow goes with you. But in my opinion, if you're a quarterback, you're standing back in the pocket, you could throw a football 45 yards down the field on a dime, put it in a bread basket. I don't care if it's a zero-star receiver catching it or a five-star receiver catching it. That's a hell of a throw. No, um, I, I agree. And we've seen Shadur Sanders do that a million times. So I think this guy, I, I, I really don't expect him to skip a beat coming in here to Colorado, especially the Pac-12. You know, the Pac-12 is, for the most part, pretty lackluster. Uh, it's really top-heavy. Like, two or three teams are pretty elite, and then it's just doo-doo. So um, I, I don't expect that to be too big of a problem for him. But, uh, you know, to avoid hopping on that hype train, um, I think Shadur Sanders is going to be – a really, really good player. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've always kind of looked at quarterbacks in one way, in one way only. Um, a good ball is a good ball at any level. No matter what yeah. talent you're playing, if you drop a ball in the breadbasket, you're, you're throwing a good ball. And Shadur Sanders definitely has that type of talent. He's a guy that was pretty highly recruited out of high school. Um, just because he played at Jackson State last year does not mean he is not a good player. Um, keep your eyes on this kid. That Colorado team is is becoming – is becoming pretty significant in the football world. I'm not going to say anything too much about them just yet because we haven't seen it produced on a football field. But I will say that their name, they're definitely building a, a, a you know, a big name right now with Dion. Absolutely. Um, a couple other key guys before we get off this subject. We got DJ Uyangalale from Clemson to Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanner Mordecai from SMU to Wisconsin. A big pickup for Wisconsin right here, in my opinion. We watched Tanner Mordecai become a really, really, really elite ball thrower at SMU. Um, And nobody talks about SMU football. But this guy was great at SMU. I'm really excited about this guy. This is a guy that I would watch out for, people, if you are listening to this show. Um, 
Brendan Armstrong from Virginia to NC State taking over for Devin Leary. Uh, like pretty, I mean, yeah, I'm interested to see how that works out. Um, a guy that I loved and would have absolutely loved to pick up, even though I know who we have there and I know we're set, Justin Flo. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, I believe, number one inside linebacker in his recruiting class coming out of high school. Dude's a downhill, absolute animal. Transferred from Oregon to Arizona. Um, love this kid right here, man. Yeah, yeah, Justin Flo's a stud. Um, let's see. We got a couple more key guys before we get off here. Old friend, uh, Arik Gilbert is teaming up with Jeff yep. Sims and Matt Rule down in Nebraska. Uh, Matt Rule did a pretty good work at Nebraska this year in the transfer portal too. He did, man. I'm excited for Matt Rule. Um, um, that's pretty much it for me, man. Yeah, I'm not seeing too many guys that really pop off the board right now. I mentioned Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims is a guy that's always pretty intriguing to me. Um, he's a guy that's got a lot of play time at uh, had a lot of play time at Georgia Tech. Get him into a different system. Maybe he can find something. Yeah, yeah I don't really have anything yeah. else. Before we get off college football, oh, I do want to mention, did you hear about the Jaden Rashada news? Yes. Um, Arizona State? Arizona State, yep. A uh, guy that was originally going to Miami. Decommitted, apparently got offered a $13 million NIL deal to go to Florida. NIL deal did not come through. As soon as the news comes out, he's done. He's leaving Florida. He's requesting to them that he can, un- like he can redo his signing and... It happened, and now he's going to Arizona State. Florida is more of a dumpster fire under Billy Napier than it was with Dan Mulling and, and anybody before that. Look, guys, Dan Mullen just couldn't recruit. That was Dan Mullen's problem. He did not believe in recruiting. The difference is I don't think he ever tried. I think Billy Napier is trying, and he is not being very successful. This is a bad, bad sign for Florida. I, I will tell you all this much right now. Y'all don't have a quarterback. Y'all didn't get a transfer quarterback. Your quarterback that was supposed to be starting next year got into some legal trouble. Um, <laughs> some very, very bad legal trouble. Um, I don't even know if I could mention it on YouTube. I'd probably, we'd probably get shut down for saying it out loud. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a mess down there, guys. Um, you got to throw some Florida hate out there for on the college football topic. No, and I hate it for Georgia fans too because Billy Napier. I don't know what it is about the guy, but I just don't hate him. Um, I, I I hate Florida. I hate everything about him. But one thing you could say about Dan Mullen is that he had a very hateable, punchable face. I hated that guy. When I saw him, I wanted to vomit. I didn't like anything about him. I wished his downfall every single day of my life, every breath that I took. And, you know, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for the rivalry, the team was way better under Dan Mullen than it was right now. And, um, you know, look, I'm not one of these guys that's going to say when we go down to Jacksonville and stomp Florida by 30 that I'm not enjoying it. I enjoy every second of that. Please trust me. But it just makes it a little bit less interesting for the uh, for the hate aspect of it. You know, like, we can only hate Florida so much before they become Georgia Tech. Or they become a, a Missouri or a Vanderbilt or something like that. It's, 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 it's a really a sad downfall. And you're right. I, I was never a big Dan Mullen fan, but... We cannot deny this man was a year out from playing in an SEC championship against Alabama and then got fired, and then things are going downhill really bad. The year that he played in the SEC championship against Alabama, they lost Kyle Trask to the draft. They lost Kadarius Tony to the draft. They lost Kyle Pitts to the draft. You had to expect some downfall. And for them to put that punishment on him, firing that man from the job a year after 
year removed from playing an SEC championship, just to bring in Billy Napier and see that, damn, something's wrong with our program. <laughs> guys do not want to play football here anymore. This is not the Tim Tebow days, guys. Uh, Florida has a lot to figure out. It's going to be years. And uh, sadly for Billy Napier, I'm also a fan of Billy Napier. I think he's, he's a pretty cool guy. Um, I don't think Florida's going to give him enough time to figure it out. I would not be surprised if this is last year at Florida. I agree. If they can pull the trigger that fast on Dan Mullen, I, I don't think they're going to you know treat Napier any different. I agree 100%. It is going to open uh, the door for Urban to step right back in. You ready to hop in the men's league here? Let's get in the men's league. That was a joke by Urban, by the way. It's a joke. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. You know about the greatest coach in college football history, Urban Meyer? Yes, Urban. The greatest coach to ever grace the field of college and NFL football. Yeah, man that kicked his kicker while doing stretches. Yes, Urban Meyer. He deserved it. Yeah, probably he, he had to have. Um, the guy that the guy that said, and and this is no no disrespect on Percy Harvin. It might be very very true. The guy that came out and said that Percy Harvin was the greatest player he's ever coached after coaching Tim Tebow at University of Florida. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I started to dive into the men's league a little bit, and then I heard that out of the back of my ear, and I was like, hold on. Urban Meyer. Nothing goes better than men's league and Urban Meyer. Nothing goes better. When you talk about a guy that can coach with one hand on the playbook and one hand inside a co-ed, it changes the way that you can <laughs> – it changes your perspective on a head coach. This guy was in a bar – Worrying about coaching a rookie quarterback and leading a team to the playoffs while simultaneously fondling with a 21-year-old woman. That's talk an about, alpha. Talk, talk about an alpha person. And not to mention the best coach we've ever seen. I mean, uh, what, what, can you, what more can you say about Urban Meyer? This guy led a team to two national championships with a murderer, a racist, and a pastor. That's very true. We need an E60 on this guy tomorrow. Yeah, got to get something put out. I'm sure there are probably is already something put out about that Florida team. <laughs> that Florida team was, was insane. Um, if you don't know about that, go look it up. That Florida team had like eight different guys that had like criminal charges on them. <laughs> it was terrible, led by Tim Tebow. <laughs> it was, oh, God, we can make so many beautiful. jokes. Urban Meyer, man, his him, him and the NFL go together about as well as spoiled milk and Rice Krispie cereal. But guess what? We ain't got no damn sugar. So, <laughs> not very good. <laughs> <laughs> not the spoiled milk. Put a little sugar in that sucker. It'll taste a little bit better. Now, I don't know if you ever ate Rice Krispies, the cereal. If you ain't got no sugar with normal milk, it ain't no good. You had the spoiled milk in there with no damn sugar, he messed up now. It's ruined. You are messed up. Sugar might be able to save that spoiled milk. Rice Krispies with sugar pretty damn good. Without the sugar, nah, no shot. I don't know if that 21-year-old girl is giving Urban Meyer enough sugar to save his NFL career. No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> off the rails, baby, off the rails. Oh, all right, men's league. So, I mean, we talked about doing coaching hires. We are 47 minutes into this thing. Yeah, we're pretty deep, man. We might we might, we, we might save coaching hires to be – we have a whole offseason, so – Save it. Yeah, we can save it. That's fine. Um, all right, NFL playoffs, Jake. Obviously, we are uh, uh, Pro Bowl week right now. Two weeks out from the Super Bowl, or a week and a half at this point, I guess. Um, we know who the matchup is. Do you want to dive into any NFL playoffs up until this point, or uh, do you just want like quick little overview? What are you thinking here? 
Um, well, we can do a quick conference championship rundown. I don't think any really, that, to me, outside the ones we've already talked about, I know we talked about what was Jacksonville. Actually, Jacksonville, Tennessee was regular season, wasn't it? Um, yeah. we talk, I think we talked about the first round. Uh, to me, division round, there was nothing really too exciting, too, nothing that really popped off the board too much that opened my eyes. So let's just do a little conference championship breakdown then hop into Super Bowl. I mean, it's pretty easy. Um, in the divisional round, all the favorites won, mm-hmm. aside from the Bills. Um, the Bills were the two seed. They lost to the three seed. Other than that, Chiefs beat the Jags, Eagles beat the Giants, Niners beat the Cowboys. So, And the Bills one was not anything crazy. Right. It's something that, it was a 50-50 shot going into game. Like, we, we kind of had an idea. Exactly. Um, so heading into conference championship weekend, we had the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the San Francisco 49ers at home. We had the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Cincinnati Bengals at home in Burrowhead Stadium. Um, if you missed all the Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati banter, uh, Bengals fans were talking a lot of smack leading up to this game. The mayor of Cincinnati put out an order in a video saying that he was ordering a paternity test to see if Joe Burrow was uh, Patrick Mahomes' daddy. That's awesome. I saw that. And they were going to change the name of Arrowhead Stadium to Burrowhead Stadium. So that was pretty bold. Um, not sure why you would do that at all. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It's the NFL. These guys are uh, lead athletes, and you want to talk some smack. Um, let's talk Eagles Niners. Let's do it. Philadelphia Eagles coming here is the hottest team in the NFL. Um Obviously, these four teams right here in, in the conference championship round are the four hottest teams. But you talk about winning-wise, I mean, there's 16-3 and three total, including the playoffs after this game, the Philadelphia Eagles are. You got Jalen Hurts, who two of those losses are when he was out with an injury. Um, this team has been absolutely ridiculous all year long. The defense is, like, number two in the league. The offense is number one in the league. They are a such a well-rounded team, well-coached. They have an amazing roster. Like everything this team, they can attack you from so many different angles, on the ground, through the air. And then you could say the same thing about the San Francisco 49ers, who found their second life with Brock Purdy. Yes. Trey Lance goes down week two, season's over. Jimmy G comes in, gets injured, season's over. Brock Purdy comes in, hold on. This dude wins seven straight, eight straight, whatever it is. Leads the NFL in touchdown passes and efficiency since taking over as a starting quarterback. And people are starting to say, hold on. Forget about Trey Lance. Forget about Jimmy Garoppolo. Brock Purdy's the guy. Me funny. I think the week after that Brock Purdy made his debut in the NFL, I think that we did a podcast. And if I remember right, I think I made a comment saying that he had a good outing, the kid looked good, but, and it was a big but, but after this season, we'll probably never hear from this guy again. And I, I think I was wrong on that aspect. Now, some things happened this game that could shake things up quite a bit. Brock Purdy went down with an injury. A little like a serious injury. Um, obviously, Jimmy G's hurt right now. He was, you know, kind of rumored that he might have a chance to come back this week. Trey Lance is down for the season. Um, Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson, the only two quarterbacks on this roster. Brock Purdy goes down with an injury. Josh Johnson comes in, plays decent, 7 for 13, 74 yards. Doesn't play bad, um, but he does take a big hit um and it wasn't it didn't look like a huge hit thing i think the ground kind of hit him harder and that's what messed him up it looked like he was concussed i never saw the injury thing from it but it looked like a concussion to me um that forces san francisco to have to make a decision 
and Brock Purdy comes trotting back on the football field. And you're thinking, okay, can Brock Purdy play? Now, keep in mind, this game is pretty much already over at this point. Um, Philadelphia already has a pretty sizable lead right there. But you're sitting there thinking, Brock Purdy, you know, has been, you know, top-tier quarterback in the NFL since he has started playing in the NFL. Um, comes back in, and he does not do a damn thing the whole rest of the game. They're, San Francisco is conceding this football game. If they're not doing anything on the ground, they're not doing anything. I think that he threw two passes before he got hurt. He came back, he threw two passes after he got hurt, and I think they were both screen passes. So yep. they were not testing him out. Um, obviously, I, I, it's kind of hard to really dive in this game. It was such a, you know, it was a butt kicking. Um, Philadelphia wins 31-7. Jaylen, most of that work is on the ground. Didn't really have to try the air too much. They kind of just bullied him the whole game. But the significance behind this is, is there's a lot of people on social media saying how come San Francisco was so, you know, conservative late in the game. And the reason behind that is because Brock Purdy has to get Tommy John surgery now. <laughs> Brock yeah. Purdy, uh, what was it? What do UCL or something? Yeah, torn UCL. Brock Purdy tore his UCL and came back in and played quarterback for damn near half of football. An injury that is at least a nine-month recovery. Through two passes. Through two passes with a torn UCL. Um, legendary move right there. Dog. Yeah, dog. Makes sense that he was uh he was he was out there. Um me and Kitty were eating uh eating dinner for a birthday whenever this game was on, and we get we got to see, see Christian McCaffrey throw one of the one of the funnier passes you'll see in the NFL. Um kind of just chunk one up and I did not see a guy on the screen where the ball went. So <laughs> he wanted to make a play. Yeah, this game was over as soon as pretty much from the start, guys. Uh this Eagles team is very, very, very legit. Um, we talk about Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, and Jalen Hurts. It's kind of their big three. But um, when you have those weapons in the air, and you also have Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Jalen Hurts running down your throat, <laughs> this team can open up a lot of avenues on you. And this defense is real. So, and it, 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 that team right there is is a very legit football team. Very, very good. And. Um... You covered it pretty well there. I'm not going to dive too much into it, but I will say that if you watch this game, this was one of the worst officiated NFL games of all time. Most much of them like the bad. next game we are going to talk about. The officiating was absolutely horrendous this weekend. I don't know what it was about conference championship weekend, but you know, and, and let's give credits where it's due, right? All right. Being an NFL ref is probably one of the hardest jobs in the entire world as far as being good at it. Mm -hmm. Like, you're running around, you're trying to keep up with the best athletes in the entire world. You're looking at 22 guys on the field at the same time and trying to make sure nobody does anything they're not supposed to. Like, I understand that that is extremely difficult. So I'm not as worried about the missed calls. Everybody wants to complain about missed calls in the game. And that's not so much this game, but the next game. So I'll kind of, you know, spare you until we get there, but... This game, man, I mean, you talk about a roughing the kicker call that was called incorrectly. You talk about holds that shouldn't have been called. It's just, it, it's a really, really weird dynamic going on right now in the NFL. And this game is really what just kicked it off because this game was such a blowout that it didn't really, that the argument wasn't really there. No one really cared that much about it. But when you talk about the next game, the Chiefs-Bengals game that happened at 6.30 p.m. on a Sunday night that everyone in the entire world was watching, and they got to see that same officiating happen again, it's like, what is going on? Yeah, it, so, was, it was a crazy weekend. I don't understand, man. I, they got to figure something out. Yeah. But, um, go ahead, Jake. And this game right here, to me, I mean, it, you know, it didn't really matter as much. 
Um, I'm going to be completely honest. Even if Brock Purdy plays this complete game, I don't think Philadelphia stands a chance. Or not Philadelphia. I don't think the San Francisco stands a chance. It's just, I think Philadelphia was the better football team in general. And it's kind of hard to say whenever you quarterback those four passes and two of them were with a torn UCL. But um, That's not to say that Philadelphia hasn't been a great team all year, but they were by far the better team that day. Yeah, like They didn't skip a beat that entire game. Yeah, and now, that, now if Philadelphia would have been like sluggish and you know won this game by a possession whenever Brock Purdy was out, I'd be thinking about it different. But we're talking about a pretty big, you know, differential, and that was with Josh Johnson playing. You know, I'm not, not definitely not good quarterback play, but I mean he wasn't terrible. It ain't like he went out there and lost in the game. <laughs> exactly. So that makes it kind of intriguing to me. I believe that brings us to the biggest talking point of the NFL weekend: the Chiefs Bengals rematch. AFC Championship, 